You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our Sex Podcast Collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Hey friends, welcome to American Sex, a podcast dedicated to normalizing conversations about pleasure and winter colds because Ken's looking at me because I cannot sound normal because we have a cold. We both have a cold, but um, normalizing conversations about pleasure, not just snot, and alternative sexual expression by challenging those puritanical backward ass ideals we have here in the U.S., and this is episode 117 of American Sex Podcast. I'm Sonny Megatron. And I'm Pablo Escobar's Hippos. No, you're not. I'm not? Oh, I'm Ken Melvoinberg. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We're sexuality educators, pleasure advocates, kinky perverts, it's sniffly perverts, too. Sniffly perverts. We are sniffly fucking perverts, man. But we do not have a snot fetish. However, we both have been known to enjoy a good snot, snot job. Snot job, yeah. Yeah, yeah I yeah. like a good snot job. So this is a particularly amazing, fascinating, and wonderful time for me. I'm going to fanboy all over the fuck out of her. This week's guest is motherfucking Sahara Knight. Sahara is a British Indian adult performer who was dubbed the UK's first Muslim adult film star after entering the industry in 2004. Over the years, Sahara has worked for most of the major adult companies and websites in the UK, Los Angeles, and Europe. She also appeared in the HBO hit Game of Thrones season one or two as Armeka, a companion in Littlefinger's brothel. Sahara was recently elected as chairperson of UKAP, United Kingdom Adult Professionals. This is a nonprofit organization that aims to bring together the UK's adult industry and provide members from all branches of adult performers, content creators, webmasters, etc. with quality support and advice. So I'm not a, a Game of Thrones geek, so I could not uh, partake in the pants tinkling that you were partaking. You were so fucking excited. I uh, I've never been this excited about having somebody on our podcast ever. But like, I I wasn't too familiar with Sahara before our conversation, but now I kind of want to be her best friend because she's amazing. So in this conversation, we start off talking about the comparisons made between her and Mia Khalifa. So she shares with us how her strict Muslim family reacted and subsequently disowned her when they learned that she was working in the adult industry. She tells us how she handles the vitriol and the death threats that she receives from people saying that she's bringing shame upon the Muslim religion. We talk about why her issues with immigration have kept her from entering the U.S. and how sex workers in general traveling internationally are often refused entry to various countries. She also tells us about her role in the UKAP, her role on Game of Thrones, and of course, we get all British and political, touching on how Brexit might affect the porn industry and what the real story is with Meghan and Harry. But before we get to that... Uh, Ken, do you know what time it is? It's prostate time. No, I'm no. just kidding. I know what time it no. is. No, it's big welcome and heartfelt appreciation time to the new members of our Patreon family. And that little jingle means our Patreon family is growing. Big, huge welcome and heartfelt appreciation to Spring for becoming American Sex Podcast Patreon support this past week. We appreciate it so much, and we could not do this podcast without you. And thank you and all of our Patreon supporters so much. If you're curious about this Patreon thing that we keep talking about and you want to find out more, you can look for membership at patreon.com slash American Sex. Not only does your membership help support this show, you get lots of awesome bonus perks as well, like bonus stories from our guests, extra full-length episodes, all our regular episodes early, American Sex Podcast stickers, a shout-out on the podcast, random surprises in the mail, and many, many more. Yeah, speaking of bonus stories, head on over to Patreon for Sahara's bonus story. I'm just going to say one thing. Mind the gap. You'll understand what that means when you hear the story. It's pretty good. Anyway, um, oh, I'm dying. Man, I'm fucking dying. How do you feel, Ken? I actually feel pretty good right now. So we have got what is called, well, at least I have, maybe you have, I don't know, what is so lovingly dubbed as the hashtag AVN flu. 
Not the, avian, not like right. a bird. But, but avian as an adult video news, because we were at the avian convention. And, you know, con crud happens when you go to convention. And I, I've i not been sick in like two years. So I'm counting my blessings. It's fine. You know, we all got to pay our dues sometimes. But holy motherfucking shit, man. Yeah, that was me last year. This year oh. I got a touch of it. And then it kind of went away in 24 hours. Yeah. So I got lucky. Man. So anyway... I do want to remind you, American fuckers, about our sex ed live streams that we do on Wednesday nights. This upcoming Wednesday, I'm fucking super excited about. We're playing a game of kinky family feud with sexuality educators and former American Sex Podcast guests, Dirty Lola and Jiminika Eborn. You can watch it live or catch the replay at bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash Sunny Get vocal and that's spelled v-o-k-l now if you watch live on the get vocal platform you might win one of four premium sex toys that we're giving away at the end of the broadcast so go to that same link which is bit.ly slash sunny get vocal to get all signed up and subscribe to american sex live we'll see you on wednesday night february 5th for our kinky family feud show Okay, so first, I wanted to talk a little bit about Robinhood. And real briefly, this is not a sponsored ad. I personally have a terrible relationship with money. And one of the ways I have learned to start mending that relationship is saving for our retirement through investing in stocks. Stocks used to confuse and intimidate me, but the Robinhood app has helped both Sonny and me both start investing and understanding them a lot better. If you use this link join.robinhood.com slash KenB79. That's K-E-N, the letter B, 79. And sign up for Robinhood. You'll get one free stock and so will we. Signing up is easy and it's free. Again, that's join.robinhood.com slash Ken, the letter B, 79. Okay, so lastly, if you dig the relationship that the three of us have together. I know you do. Well, the three of us and then all the other listeners. So the the orgy, the the listening orgy of all, I don't know, all of us, just all of us have together. What, what orgy? Orgy? We'll leave it at orgy. I mean, orgy is good, right? I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what I'm talking <laughs> about either. What listening orgy. <laughs> I want to be part of it. And I've been here apparently and I'm not. Okay, look, this is fever brain podcasting right here. <laughs> anyway, if you like whatever the fuck we all have together, American fuckers, I want you to make sure you get on our email list. So with the internet censorship crackdown on all things sex, you never know if our social media accounts are going to remain intact. And the best way to never lose touch with us is by getting on our list. And you can do that by texting the word Megatron to the number 444-999 or by visiting SunnyMegatron.com slash newsletter. I'm also happy to say that our newsletter is now powered by Why Not Mail. They're the only sexual health and adult industry-friendly email service. Yeah, so services like MailChimp have been kicking people like us off of their service in droves for simply talking about sex in a non-titillating educational manner. So if you're a sexuality professional, I urge you to check out Why Not Mail 2. You can do that at bit.ly slash sunny why not spelled Y N O T. Okay, American fuckers, here is Sahara Knight. I cannot exclaim how excited I am for our guest today. I know we say that every fucking time, but uh, most of you know what a big fan I am of the show Game of Thrones. You also know what a fan I am of adult movies. And we have somebody that actually covers both of those things at the same time today. And we have with us Sahara Knight. Sahara, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. We are so damn excited. And I think Ken might tinkle in his pants. I'm going maybe. to. I, yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. And I'm into piss play too. So that's like, I'm sorry, that would yeah. be non-consensual on your part, but you're not in the room. Don't so. tinkle in your pants, Ken. <laughs> <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> And now we're getting into a little femdom stuff. I love it when Ken gets subby. I, okay, cool. Keep I'm normally a top to for do. you, I'll bottom. Yeah. Like in a heartbeat, not even a question. Oh. All right, well, let's start. Tell us about yourself. Uh, what would you like to know? Well, uh, where should I start with? Uh, I've been in, this, uh, in the adult industry for 
nearly what, 16 years. Um, I started in 2004 and I worked through till 2009. Um, I spent 2005, uh, did two trips to the US in 2005 to work. After 2009, I took some time out, nearly about 10 years. And in that time, uh, I did Game of Thrones, in which I played a hooker. And, and then I came back to shooting porn in 2018. Um, I think I call it my midlife crisis. Uh, <laughs> I'm calling it midlife crisis because I'm going to be 45 uh, in a month's time. Uh, Shut up. Yeah. Seriously? I, I thought you were in your 20s. <laughs> no, I stopped late in the industry. Um, a lot older, you know, I started much older than a lot of uh, female performers start. I was 28 when I started in 2004. So, um, yeah, I'm going to be 45 on 4th of February. And, yeah, I came back in 2018, and it's very different now to when it was back then. But it's all very interesting and fun to be back. So why do you call it your midlife crisis when you got back into it? <laughs> it's because I was, I'm in the 40s now, so I was like, midlife crisis of coming back into porn, isn't it? Or was that what? Okay. You going to come back to 2018? Uh, no, it makes sense. Instead yeah. of a car. <laughs> or midlife crisis for... I don't know. I had to call it something, so that's what I called it. I would call it a midlife celebration. Or a midlife <laughs> celebration. I'm actually very, um, probably like the most content at 45. You know, you're happy with everything that's going on. You're happy with how you are. You don't really give a shit what most people think or say. And there we go. Yeah, yeah. For all those listeners out there who haven't hit their 40s yet, just fucking wait. It's amazing. All your so, fucks are gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah totally. I mean, not the good kind of fucks, but I'm like the fucks that, give a shit you know, anymore. are give a shit. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so um, there's a couple of different things that we wanted to talk to you about today. Uh, not only do we want to talk to you about like you're a working adult, but we also want to talk about religion. Like we're probably going to hit religion, sex and politics today. All the things that you're not supposed to talk to in polite society. <laughs> Uh, but I think that we're safe to do that. Now, to start off with, there has been some unfair comparisons between you and Mia Khalifa. And for those who don't know, Mia Khalifa is not a Muslim. She's actually, I believe, a Chaldean Christian. She did, I think, at, at most five scenes total. And I know this from people in the industry, the people that shot her. Um, and a lot of the publicity that came out afterwards was just plain not true. Can you tell us a little bit about your religion? Uh, of course. Um, I'm, I'm non-practicing Muslim, but my parents are obviously practicing strict Muslim. I was brought up as Muslim. And so that is, that is my religion. It's very strict. <laughs> yeah. As most yeah. people are aware. Um, yes, with me, a caliph, I mean, as I said, most of her fame I guess was on the fact that she did a hijabi scene and then people just assumed because she was of an Arab descent that she was Muslim but like you said she is uh, from a Christian background and you know like, my parents are Indian Muslim and in India you know you've got Christians you've got uh, Muslims you've got Hindus but anywhere in the world you know you can come from there's various different religions religious people there so, right. yeah, I come from quite a strict background, and um, it was quite a shock to them when they found out that I'd got into porn. And they did, um, yeah, they did stop speaking to me. And I haven't, really, I haven't spoken to my parents. Um, it wasn't something I used to really talk about, but I think now I've sort of accepted it and um, just I go with it now. And they haven't really spoke to me since 2004, I sort of tried oh, wow. to hold out an olive branch to them in 2010 when I had stopped working, uh, but it didn't really go well. And um, so, yeah, so it seems like for over 20 years of my life, they haven't really spoken to me, <laughs> which is... Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. So I sort of knew how my parents would uh, react. I knew how they were going to react, but um, because when I was 19 and when I was at uni... Uh -huh. um, they stopped speaking to me then for four years, purely based on the fact that I was seeing, uh, I, was see, I was with a, I had a boyfriend, and they stopped speaking to me then uh, for four years. So I sort of knew how they would, how they would be. Uh, so yeah, in total, I say out of my 45 years, they haven't really spoke to me for 20 of their years. So 
Wow. Wow. Okay. So wait, walk me through. Okay. So so they didn't speak to you when you just had a boyfriend. Yeah. So you must have known, you must have had an inkling, like when you were getting into porn, like, hmm, this might be a little problem. So <laughs> walk me through how you got into porn. Like what, what were the logistics and also what were you thinking? To be really honest, I, I, when I, I was 28, when I got into the adult industry, and I got into it to make extra money. Uh, I'd left uni. I was working. Uh, I'd worked up in a job, you know, working through various different companies in fashion. Um, you know, I had debts. I had student loans. I had credit card debts. I was living in London. It's, you know, living in London is very expensive. It was expensive then. It's more expensive now. And I just needed some way to, I wanted to clear my debts, really. It was just like, cause it was like a, you know, hamster on a cycle, really, on a little walk going mm. round and round. You're working 12, 13 hours a day and you're not seeing anything because all your money is going to pay rent and bills and it's just tedious, really. And yeah. so I got an extra job, which was um, initially solo work and doing some of the calling. You know, you get in the UK, you've got these channels where guys can call in and you're talking to them on the phone. And that's how I started initially for extra money. And I was doing two jobs. So I was working my full-time job and I was doing evenings. I was doing nighttime on the channels. Um, I didn't really give it much thought as to what my parents would think or how they would be. I, I, that, you know, that's the bottom line. I didn't give it any thought. I literally just went and did what I wanted to do. And, right. And that's, and they, uh, they found out, um, I think as it's written in most places, because my one of my cousins, <laughs> he saw me, he saw me on the TV channel, and I thought the only reason he saw me on the TV channel, obviously, because he was on them channels flicking. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's like you incriminate yourself if they're telling on you, but he didn't get in trouble. No, it was you. Trouble. It was uh, it was me. And at that point, it was just yeah. And then they found out, and it caused a bit of a debacle between us all it was a uh, quite a sort of terse time for everybody and then that was it wow <laughs> now looking back you know after not speaking to them for you know nearly half your life yeah. do you have regrets about that or are you like no you know like living in a not oppressive family is cool and I've enjoyed porn or or if you had to do it over again would you do things differently um, I don't actually have any regrets about doing what I do or what I did. I mean, obviously, I do have certain regrets because I did um, miss out on a lot of stuff, uh, especially mm -hmm. within the family. Like my, I've got three brothers. Uh, two of them got married, and I didn't see it. I didn't wasn't at the weddings. I didn't see them get married. Um, I've got four nieces who I've met two recently, and I met one ten years ago when I was sort of not working in porn. Uh, one of them I haven't met, uh, and it's a difficult thing, you know. Um, I've got three brothers, I've got no other sisters, and all my I haven't got any, and two of them have got two girls each. So I've got nieces, you know. I'm an auntie, but I don't get to see them. And mm. uh, I think that's the more that's the only difficult thing about it, really, because I didn't miss out on the family, you know, the, them getting married, and but that was my, you know. As my mum said to me, he, she said, oh, you know, because of you, they nearly didn't get married because it was like, oh, their sister does this and their sister does that. And it was, you know, they had to be very, uh, it took a while. <laughs> that sucks. That, that, that does suck. Yeah. So I, I've heard you dubbed as the UK's first Muslim porn star. So when tell me about your transition from like the phone work and that sort of thing to porn. Did you have any inkling like, oh, you know, people are going to zero in on my heritage and my religion and that's going to be you know, fetishized? Or were you just like, OK, getting into this, making money, cool. Like, d did it cross your mind at all? I literally got into the, in the industry to make money. Uh, none right. of the, anything else crossed my mind. I hadn't really given it much thought. Um, all I knew was... I wanted to make extra money, and at, at, at the time, this back in 2004, uh, we didn't have obviously we didn't have the internet and everything that much. So it was through they had a, a newspaper called The Stage, and they used to have adverts in there for various things, fashion jobs, art jobs, adult industry solo jobs, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, and literally, I did a solo shoot from there. I contacted a guy from there, and he met up. He was like, "Are you really sure?" And I was like yes and then he was like I want to make sure I was like okay 
uh, I met him for a coffee and he was like, I just like to make sure all the girls are happy with what they're going to do. And then, and then I went and did that. And then he, um, and then he put me in touch with another person. And then I got onto the TV channel work. And from there I started doing girl, girl. And, and then I did boy, girl. So I sort of started from okay. the, I didn't do too much girl, girl. I literally went into boy, girl. I do actually do more girl, girl shoots now than I've ever done in my entire life. Um, <laughs> but, um, that's how I sort of transitioned through the TV stuff and into the porn stuff. And it, it's always been about money. It's not really been about anything else, really. Now, you know, one thing I've heard about, uh, like Mia Khalifa, is that even though she has all of this positive attention and she's, you know, the number one spot on Pornhub and all this stuff, that she also receives the brunt of the negative stuff because of her heritage, her religion, that she gets death threats, that she gets people, you know, yep. hating on her, and that that's been hard to deal with. Do you experience any of that as well? Uh, when I first started, I did get um, death threats um, because it was like, oh, Muslim, we need to go find her, we need to go kill her. There used to be a lot of forums, and they used to put my addresses on there, and we got the addresses <gasps> taken off because obviously it's. Uh, it's it's, I mean, uh, it's not safe but um i used to get a lot and not so much these not so much now not since i've come back um i think it's a bit different now because there's been quite a few asian uh heritage girls in the industry um but in 2004 definitely I w there was a lot there's been people saying we're going to come and find you we're going to come and kill you we're going to do this we're going to do that and it um I didn't, let, I didn't really let it uh, scare me, though. I just carried on doing what I was doing. Right, right. Wow. Because if I let, I would, if I I let it scare me, it means I would have had to stop everything because then I would have been scared to leave the house and everything. Because that's what people used to say. They used to go, oh, you know, you you know, you know, can find her. You know, if you see her, you should shoot her or you should do this to her. <laughs> I'd be like, why are you all getting, like, so crazy about it for? It's, um, yeah. Again, it was mostly to do with religion. I think it was like, you know, you're bringing the religion into disrepute and this and that, but all these guys, you know, watch porn and everything. So, uh, <laughs> right. Well, right, yeah, exactly. I mean, like statistically worldwide, the places that have the highest amount of porn consumption are places like Kuwait, Iraq, Iran, Saudi Arabia, India. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's all people that are being, you know, like here in the U S the places where the highest numbers are seen are places like Utah, where there's very religious Mormons, right. you know, so it's worldwide, it's always the people that are, you know, the most closeted and the most religious that are probably secretly freaky. Yeah, and I think it's because like I said, they've been, you know, that you get told from, a, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't X, Y, Z, and then the more you get told, and people keep saying to me, they go, oh, were you having a rebellious period, 28, and I was like, no. <laughs> I was a bit old to be rebelling against my parents at that age. But um, I said I wasn't rebelling against anything. I said I was literally just doing what I wanted to do, really. Uh, you know, I left home at 18 to go to uh, university. And then after 18, I haven't really been back home. I've been back home on and off. But once I left home, I didn't really want to. And I wanted to leave home purely for that fact. I picked a uni that was about six hours drive from my parents' house. Because I knew if I stayed at home, my life would have been very different and it would have been very controlled. Right. So, yeah. Right, right. Now, I, I find one thing we were talking about before we started recording is we were, you know, just chit-chatting. And we're like, oh, are you going to be at the AVN convention in Las Vegas? And your response really surprised <laughs> me. Okay, so why are you not coming to the United States and why haven't you been in the United States for a long time? Um, I would have loved to come to the US, but in 2006, um, around February time, I was, it was my own fault actually, I was refused entry into the US. Um, in 2005, I'd already made two trips and at the end of 2005, in December, I'd come back to the UK and then maybe I should have left a longer period before I came back. But a couple of months later, I decided to fly back out <coughs> at the time I was with um LA direct models Derek Kay um so on that I'm so sorry <laughs> I thought you know what I'm going to be perfectly honest here and you didn't have a bad time with no him. touch wood I came up twice th 
through um, LA Direct Models. And I guess I was lucky that I didn't have any problems. Uh, I didn't have any, maybe because I was older and uh, he didn't really didn't, he got me work and I was working and everything. And, but he didn't really, I didn't have any problems with him. I mean, I know girls there, I saw girls there who did have problems with him, but uh, I didn't have any problems with him. Um, so yeah, on my third trip, when I got to, when I landed at LA, um, it was all very weird. They literally uh, took me off to one side. I ended up in a little room. You know, they're asking me all these questions about why, how, you know, why I was there, how I could keep affording to come back. Um, they asked to see how much money I had on me, and I was like, <laughs> I haven't got any money on me. <laughs> and I was like, I've got credit cards. I've got loads of credit cards. I've got credit cards. And then they were, like, going through all my stuff. And at that point, I had to sort of go, I have to go to the toilet, uh, purely on the fact that because I had an American uh, checkbook and an American bank card, which... <laughs> I shouldn't have had. Oh. So I'm putting this down in my bag and I got to the toilet and I'm sort of ripping it up and flushing it down the toilet. And I'm like, I've got this bag. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I had to put my bank card down my pants because they didn't obviously, they didn't frisk me. <laughs> I put my bank card down my pants and then I came back out and then um, I think I was a bit too full. Uh, I gave them too much information because they were like, <coughs> uh, they wanted to go through my laptop and I was like, um, Okay, and then I couldn't find my charger. Uh, they, and then I to, so I gave them a ch uh, charger, and then they found stuff on the computer that was related, work-related, and they were like, oh, you're coming for work? And I was like, no, no, I'm not coming for work. <laughs> um, wow. And they were like, well, you can go back now uh, until you come back. You can come back with the correct paperwork. Um, and that was that. So they literally put my name on the board, and, it, it, you know, they write it as illegal alien. <laughs> illegal alien. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Oh god, that is awful. I literally landed. It was it was such a. I landed on. I remember. I landed on a Thursday. I was back home on UK soil by Friday, uh, and they treat you in. Oh. The, and they treat you like a criminal. No joke. Yeah, That's yeah. And when the flight comes back in, when the and they put you on a flight to go back, they don't take you like let you walk there. They put you in the back of a police van. <gasps> No! Oh my God! This, this was this was before the Trump era. Yeah, right? oh, I can't even imagine. <laughs> it's it's now. even worse now. And one thing that you and then they take they, they they drive you up to the airplane and they take you up the stairs and watch you sit down. <laughs> it's actually um, oh my God! Very, it was very funny. And one thing that you said that I don't know if a lot of our listeners realize that if immigration finds out that you've done any kind of sex work, you can't come into the country. Yeah. Um, I spoke to an immigration lawyer recently and I mean, there are waivers to get into the country, but he was saying to me, once you've been refused entry, obviously non uh, UK residents can come to can come to the US on an ESTA. Uh, but once you've been refused entry, you can't come on an ESTA. You have to apply for a visa. Now, I had a visa declined in 2013. I wasn't even doing porn at the time. I wanted to get a visa to come to the US to do a, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu competition. Um, and I applied for the whole visa and everything, and they refused me. They refused me based on – they gave me a sheet of paper, and they said, visa refused on the fact that um, I didn't have enough ties to the UK – financial or social i thought that was really weird because uh oh. all my family's in the uk i wasn't married i haven't got kids so maybe that was the reason but i thought all my financial stuff is in the uk um so the lawyer explained to me that once a visa has been refused it's very hard to get a apply for a, another visa and for it to be accepted and then you also have to declare on there uh whether you've done any escort work for the last in the previous 10 years ah uh, okay. they're very up on uh, also checking social media and things. So it, he said it would be very difficult. He said it's not saying it's not impossible, but it'd be very difficult. And also it'd be very, very costly. And it wouldn't really negate, wow. you know, it would it would offset the costs of trying to apply for a visa, get a visa, uh, come to the US to work, and then obviously pay the pay the agency percentage out there, pay to stay out there, pay to live out all the living costs, you really wouldn't make, you know, then pay your living costs back at home. As much as, you know, I'd like to come out there and work, it, you know, financially, it really wouldn't make sense. 
Right, right. Not at all. Like, I mean, the only way I could see it is if you were going to like uh, San Diego Comic Con to, you know, sign Game of Thrones yeah. autographs or something like that. And that's yeah. speaking of which, let's let's break in and let's like talk about the uh, elephant in the room, Game <laughs> of Thrones. <laughs> so to start off with, um, you did a lot of scenes with Aiden. How how was he? Yeah, um, you know, some of these uh, big names, they don't actually, I mean, he was really not good to work with, uh, Aidan Gillen, Littlefinger. I did one scene with him. Uh, yeah, I did a couple of scenes, actually. I forget myself. Um, it was very easy to work <laughs> with. But once they're not shooting and, you know, like in between breaks, they don't really speak a lot. They just, he just goes and sits down with his book and just reads his book. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh. There wasn't a lot of, uh, they don't really chat with everybody else. Just, uh, but, yeah, he was uh, really good to work with. It was fun. It was a... Uh, a very long day on sets, but they pay you so pay you quite well, so it's not right. too bad. Uh, Twelve hours on sets on most of these, uh, and they end up with a scene that's about three minutes long. <laughs> three. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely! Yeah. You're doing the same thing repetitively again. And yeah, again and I again. remember the first the girl girl scene uh, um, in the brothel where he's telling us what to do. Uh, that was shot in Malta, so that was you know if you got to go abroad and whatever. It was a twelve hour day on set, and then somebody uh, put it up, and I was like, "That's like a." Ended up being like a two-minute clip or a three-minute clip at the most. (laughs) Yeah, all that that work just boils down to like a blink. Yeah. So how did it happen? How did they pursue you? Did you like? How did you get on Game of Thrones? So, um, how did I? Yes, Uh, I had an email from a casting agency, Nina Gold, and um, it was a good thing actually. I checked my junk mail because that's where it went into. Uh, It went into my junk box, and I was clearing it out, and I saw this email in there. And at first I was a bit, I was very dubious about it because it was quite a long email and it, it, uh, the casting, I think his name was Robert, he'd written it all in detail to get in touch, X, Y, Z. And I spoke to my friend about it and I was like, do you think this is like real? You know, people get silly emails, don't they, sometimes? With, from like, they, mm-hmm. um, And he was like, uh, he said, why don't you just give them a ring and find out? So I rang, it, rang them up um, and, and as it turned out, it it was a genuine email and uh yeah so i had to go in to do a casting which was just me <laughs> just me reading some lines a protect just sort of um playing out the scene that i was going to do with Roz. and um, i think at the time they were casting two adult uh performers and a mainstream performer and the reason behind it was they were looking <clears throat> i think they'd asked for brunettes natural looking girls um uh, I think it was, uh, what's his name, Dan and, was it Dan and Dan? The, the two writers. Oh, whoever, yeah, whoever yeah. Whoever was casting on that side of it had asked to see me, uh, another girl, another performer called Lolly, and then there was a mainstream performer. So that's how that came about, yeah. Nice. So it's interesting. I'm a huge Game of Thrones fan, but I've seen some of the criticism about not having enough people of color about, and you're actually utilized as one of the people of color that was, uh, a cast member of the show. And I think in total, there was three women where there was like what Natalie Emmanuel. Um, there was you and uh, Indira Varma. Oh yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I haven't actually, uh, in, like people find it really funny. Cause I haven't actually watched it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's hilarious. I, I, watched, I only actually watched the um, one episode and that was the episode where, uh, is it the white Walker that came down to the dragon and blew the, the I don't know. Blew the wall down or something. I watched that one, just about. And I'm not really an avid series watcher. or I mean, I watch TV, but I don't tend to watch too much of it. So I haven't actually watched it. And people keep going, oh, it's really funny, that is. And I was like, no, I, I went and did some work. I got paid, and I, <laughs> that's it. Um, oh, that's funny. No, that makes sense. I know a lot of people that don't watch any of their own scenes, whether they're adult no, scenes or mainstream. It's just not... You know, you, you get your check and it's just not worth doing. So wait, let me ask you then on, on that same line, do you watch your own porn or is it something you purposely avoid? Um, I don't watch it. Um, I don't purposely avoid it either. Because obviously sometimes I see it. I think I just don't like listening to how I sound so or how I look sometimes, how I, so I don't watch it. <laughs> but I have right, stopped right. watching stuff recently purely on the fact that I – to have started editing some of my own stuff, some small clips, so then I do have to watch watch it. A friend of mine who's right. edited some of my stuff for me, he did say to me, he said, Sahara, you should really watch the stuff. And I said, what for? He said, just to see, you know, just to see how it's looking. Because um, when he's edited it for me, I've gone back to him and I said, 
I don't like this and I don't like that. And I said, the colours to this. And he said, did you actually watch it? I said, no. I said, I just ran through it and I know I didn't like the colour on it. So can you colour correct it? There was some bit in the background that you should have got rid of. And, he, and I said, that's all I'm looking at. I'm not actually looking at anything else. I'm looking at the background. And he's going, people aren't looking at the background. But I'm like, but I'm looking at the background. So... <laughs> That's really yeah. funny. That is. But no, and to your defense, there have been times where I've been watching porn or, you know, even looking at a sexy picture or something and everyone's like, oh, you know, look at, look at the nice boobs yeah. or great action. Or, and I'm like, oh, I have that. I have those curtains. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like totally looking in the background. Oh, you know, so I feel thinking, you. Like, when I look to my own stuff, sometimes I'm a French shot or something and I've gone, did you not see that? And I said, because if he's shooting you, you can't necessarily see what's in the periphery of your eye line. And I'm thinking, when you're shooting, did you not see that there was that mess on the floor there? I said, we could have stopped and moved it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I totally feel that. I totally feel that. That's funny. I can't count the number of performers I know who have had, like, they've done an entire scene and there's a cat watching them, like, <laughs> off in the corner. And they yeah. just, you know, they could have gone one inch to the right and it would have been fine. <laughs> well, some of our friends, and I know at least one of them, I've seen a couple, though, where they've uh, done, like, cat bloopers and just like you know where they're like oh i've never seen stroke that, that, that dick for me and then the cat's like wow <laughs> and it's just a <laughs> compilation of bloopers <laughs> it's really funny anyway anyway um you had mentioned you had tried to come into the u.s for jujitsu oh i was you're stealing my thunder. i know I this totally is why we're married ken because okay. i know what's in your <laughs> yeah brain. so um, um Tell me about that, because you're good. Time, you're good. I haven't done jiu-jitsu for a while, but at the time I was uh, training in Brazilian jiu-jitsu and I was competing, and there was a master's competition in um, somewhere in the USA. And um, I thought, you know what, I'd like to try and do that, because I've, I've done a few competitions in Europe, uh, in the UK, and I thought, got, and there's more masters, and I thought there'd be more women masters uh, in the US as well, because, you know, in, in the UK... You get women masters categories, but because there aren't any, there aren't a lot of women in them categories. You always get, you always end up competing against somebody who's twenty years younger. And I'm like, I don't want to compete against a twenty year old. Um, <laughs> I think you could smoke them though. I really do. No, it's really hard with twenty year olds. They're a bit more, they're a bit fast. They're everything. You know, I'm, <laughs> they're, they've got more speed. I'm just slow as well. But I, <clears throat> I uh, wanted to try and get in. And um, obviously, record, yeah. And I tried, so I went to the American embassy to apply for a visa, and it took months. It didn't take months, it took a, a lot of time. And then, and it's about nearly three, four hundred pounds to apply for a visa. And then I had to go for an interview, and that was it. And they, just, they refused it. Wow. Wow. What belt are you? A blue, uh, I'm, I'm blue belt uh, with four stripes. Um, hopefully, I will. Um, if when I get back to it again, uh, <clears throat> I will, you know, progress onwards again. But uh, I had to sort of not make a choice. But when I came back to shooting porn, uh, the time time wise, it was like I couldn't fit everything in. I couldn't fit my lifting in. I couldn't do you know fit the jujitsu in. So at the moment, I'm just uh, when I took some time out from jujitsu, I started doing bit more uh lifting and then i started doing some olympic lifting and then i did a few competitions in that um i think the last competition i did was in 2017 and after that i've now I've just been just just enjoying because um after the european comp it sort of got in my head a little bit and i got a bit stressed out over it or uh, i thought yeah. <clears throat> i just take a step back and just do normal weightlifting, which is just a bit easier <clears throat> mentally because I don't have to go into the gym every day or every four days, the four days I do train, and think about, you know, what weights, what numbers I'm going to lift today or what, you know, because Olympic lifting is so mental sometimes. Sometimes I, I'd, I'd get the bar off the floor to my knee and I'd go, oh, it can't go any further today. <laughs> and I'd spend a whole session doing that. And then in the end, I was just like, let's just stop. Let's just do normal bodybuilding type stuff for a bit because it's not as mental. You're just literally going in there and lifting you know, doing your back, doing legs, doing shoulders, doing X, Y, Z. It's, uh, yeah. Do you bring your physical fitness into your work? 
Do you do like wrestling scenes or domination scenes? Um, I have done wrestling scenes, but I've done, not done like uh, porn wrestling scenes. But I do, um, I do some, uh, I do stag parties for a, a company called Oil Wrestling Parties, and I've been doing them for about two, about nearly two three years. And they're wrestling based, so uh, it's all very fun, fun and tongue in cheek fun. It's all bikini girls, and you're sort of wrestling with the guys and oil, and that's it, oil, oil wrestling. <laughs> that's and sometimes because the guys some some of the guys are really good um they just want to have a bit of fun and roll about and then some guys some of the younger guys like to um really fight you <laughs> really fight you but really? They, yeah, seriously there's two, yeah, two girls and you've got a ref who's quite a, a tall amazonian lady and some of the guys try and go a bit hard but if they're trying if, if they go hard then we also go hard and then they go oh you look stronger than you are look and he's like, oh, your bony, like, bony wrist. I was like, yeah, we've got little arms. They can go around your neck a lot easier. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's amazing. But yeah, I do fetish stuff oh. as well. I, do, I like domination stuff. Um, I do more fetish stuff now than I did before. When I first started eating porn, I, don't, I, wasn't, uh, I was very quiet and stuff. Um, and now, uh, you know, 15 years later, you know, older and a lot more uh know sort of what you're doing uh so i do i like fetish stuff i do a lot of um strap-on stuff uh just domination stuff yeah so tell me about i mean obviously you're not shooting in the u.s and that's probably what most of our audience is familiar with is how the porn industry works here in the states so tell me about how the industry works in the uk like is there a you know a central place where they shoot all the porn or you know are there organizations how does it work well in the uk it's uh very different to uh the usa uh, we don't have we have small companies we don't have very big companies shooting the most the biggest companies shooting like uk companies these are are uh harmony they're like they're okay. a british company and then obviously you've got brothers who shoot here who are a mind geek american company um and all the others are small independent companies but what's happening in the uh, uk now is a lot more when i came back and i noticed this and i was also told this is to shoot content basically and more performers are now shooting their own content for their own platforms Mm -hmm. so only fans they've got their own website or various other platforms it's more uh content orientated now than actual uh, company orientated. Right, well, right. You know, it's companies. people it, are still it, shooting, but there just probably isn't there isn't enough work to go around for companies for uh, a lot of the performers, and a lot of companies tend to use the same performers over and over. Uh, so some people, a lot of performers, are now shooting their own content and finding that they're actually uh, making um, financially it's better for them to shoot their own stuff. Yeah, it makes sense. No, it totally does. I know because I work uh, for one of the the big performers here in the U.S. And I know that she has taken to uh, doing a lot of customs. I mean, she's also still doing a lot. But Sesta Fosta has prevented a lot of how porn operates normally in the past. And I think that between that and the tube sites... Uh, they're, they're, they just, people need a lot more variety. So those customs are terribly important. Lube, glorious lube, hot sausage and mustard. Wait, that's not how the song goes. Okay, whatever. But you know what? Lube is good. It makes sex feel better. And it's the key to maximizing pleasure, whether you play alone or with a partner. If you're going to lubricate, you want to make sure it's done with the highest quality body safe ingredients. And nothing beats UberLube. UberLube is a luxurious, high-grade silicone lubricant made from clean, body-friendly ingredients. It's just silicone with a little vitamin E. And the vitamin E leaves a velvety finish that actually moisturizes your skin. And it's great for all kinds of play, be it vaginal, oral, or anal. People use it also in their hair to tame frizz or for that chub rub between your thighs, for massage, and more. And UberLube is for everyone. Thousands of doctors recommend UberLube as their go-to solution for patients experiencing dryness. UberLube's simple ingredient list makes it perfect for people with sensitivities to other lubricants. UberLube is also latex compatible, so it's safe and effective to use with condoms. Plus, it won't stain clothing or bedding, 
Right now, Uber Lube is offering American Sex Podcast listeners a very special offer. 10% off and free shipping when you use my code, SUNNY, at uberlube.com. That's 10% off plus free shipping with code SUNNY, S-U-N-N-Y, at uberlube.com. Get some Uber Lube. It lets you feel what you want to feel. Don't you just love that amazing first date butterflies in your stomach type of feeling? Well, if you're looking for a little excitement on your terms, Dipsy can help you get in the mood with no date required. Dipsy is an audio app full of short, sexy stories and guided sessions that are designed to turn you on and help you get in touch with yourself. The stories are relatable and immersive, so you feel like you're right there. And there's something for everyone, whoever and whatever you're into. They add new content every week, so there's always more to explore. You can find stories about a spontaneous hookup with a hot stranger, getting closer with that sexy yoga instructor you just can't stop thinking about, or even stories about trying that new toy together or getting tied up. The guided sessions can also help you unlock new confidence or heighten intimacy with your partner. This year, try a new way of getting turned on with Dipsy. For listeners of American Sex Podcast, Dipsy is offering a 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash sunny. That's a 30-day free trial at D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash S-U-N-N-Y. Yep, that's dipsystories.com slash sunny. How do you think that Brexit is going to affect the porn industry in the UK? How do I think Brexit is going to affect the porn industry? Yep. How do I think? Yep. I'm straight up asking you a political <laughs> well, question. Ask me a political question. Um, well, we haven't actually left. <laughs> we should be leaving the e- we should be leaving the EU at the end of January, hopefully. Um, I don't think it's going to affect porn as such. Um, we had age verification coming in at one point, and that got put on the back burner. Um, that would have in, uh, involved everybody basically um, having to prove that they were eighteen to um, get onto the adult sites. Now, for me, I as much as people complained about that, I thought that would have been actually beneficial to the adult industry purely because it would have got rid of all these people who upload onto tube sites. Ah, I, I, just, okay. I, for ah. A lot of, I think um, because on tube, tube sites are a, a pain in the ass. Unfortunately, you know, as performers, you sort of have to get into bed with them a little bit. Um, you know, you've got Pornhub who set up their model hub profile. I mean, I don't really, um, use tube sites to sell content on. I use it for trailers and pictures to push to my own site. Um, I refuse to give them any content because I'm constantly on there finding stolen content. And sometimes they're a pain in the ass because they don't take it down quick enough and you have to send them multiple DMCAs to take them down. And they just allow everybody willy-nilly to upload anything. And I... um, with the age verification, um, I think it may have cut down on that a little bit. I'm not really 100% sure. But again, I didn't really, wasn't really, you know, MindGeek were looking at having a major control of that. And I don't think any one company should have control of everybody's uh, details at all. Oh, yeah. At this point, MindGeek is, is definitely the overlord that controls everything. Yeah. yeah and for in, those listening, MindGeek owns Pornhub and, and Yeah, whatnot. exactly. And then, and you the- know, MindGeek have also, then they you know they've got Brazzers and they've got Reality Kings. And they're the ones, unfortunately, also then flooding the tube sites with all the free content. Yeah. You know, there's a, and we've mentioned this multiple times through the years, but uh, John Ronson did a great podcast series called The Butterfly Effect about porn and the tube site. Uh, porn Mm -hmm. industry if you guys haven't been out there and you haven't listened to it american fuckers please i encourage you to do that it's free on audible it's free on audible with our special code that i can't remember right now but go to the show Show notes for this episode (laughs) and i will have a link and you can get your free trial and listen to the butterfly effect who has worse hair boris johnson or donald trump (laughs) (laughs) oh look do you know what they have that it's on the same level 
They just look like brothers. They look like they do. They actually do. They're, not, they're related. They're like they're from the same family. When you side by side, when it was just like they're the same. They're just. Yeah, there's an American actor named Gary Busey who looks a lot like Boris Johnson. If you kind of mixed him with Donald Trump, that's that's Boris Johnson. <laughs> yeah. Gary Busey and Donald Trump yeah, they have I a agree. love child. That's Boris Johnson yeah, for sure. I totally agree. But they're, they're both bumbling, aren't they, really? So. Oh, gosh. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every day we wake up and we're like, what now? <laughs> War with Iran? Okay. Twitter. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, oh, oh God. Goodness. So you were recently elected chairperson of the UK... AP. So what is that and what's that all so about? So UK AP is United Kingdom Adult Professionals. Um, it used to be, um, we've changed the acronym now. It used to be um, East Stand for United Kingdom Adult uh, Producers. So um, where the market and the industry has, it's been changing, um, we thought it was better to change it to, uh, to have professionals to incorporate performers and allies of the industry. So we have um accountants on board who are adult industry friendly we've got uh obviously accountants and health uh, mental health people um is to provide the adult industry with a, a platform as well uh, for advice so they can come to us and ask uh, we're not a, a union by any chance so we are just an independent organization um we can advise our you know model releases if performers come to us with issues uh with uh, things that have happened on set etc etc we we work with um external companies that we can refer them to you know if they've been abused on set you know we, we aren't um able to deal with that but we we have got agencies like national ugly mugs or um, other agencies that we can put fe- performers male or female in touch with so they can help them make a report to the police or anything that they require so we're working with external mm. organizations and then we have meetings so anything that's really industry related so when it was the age verification we were talking about discussing that um discussing all the ramifications of making sure that you've got all your id you know when you're shooting with people you've got your ids you've got your model releases because all these platforms do ask for them and mm-hmm. it's very important to also be able to prove because what happens that uh, what's been happening is people shoot for OnlyFans or whatever, and they're not keeping, they're not doing model releases, they're not doing IDs, and then I don't know, they fall out with each other, and suddenly somebody says, "Oh, you you've put my content without my knowledge, or you've put it up there and I didn't say you could use it," uh, and yeah. then you have to prove that. The same thing with the tube site. Sometimes they make you prove that it's your content. So if you've got something. You know, if you've got it in written format to say yes, whether I know I've heard recently that somebody there was a lawyer in America said that model releases aren't worth the piece of paper that they're written on. It's mostly the IDs. But lot, um, I think if you have your IDs and your releases, whether your friends or your, you know, make sure you've got all your paperwork in order. And also to help new performers get in, you know, when they're coming into the industry of, you know, what they should be looking for testing wise in the uk our testing is different to the us um it's mostly nhs uh national health service testing um it is 28 day testing in the uk but um back in february it sort of changed uh we say it's 28 day testing as standard but if a a company such as brazzers or harmony or um it was fake taxi because they're obviously part of mind geek as well, but they're European. Yeah. yeah. Um, if they're requesting a 14 day test with this HIV uh, one test, then we did put in private referrers in place to accommodate that. But um, because so many people shoot their own content, the private testing in the UK is very expensive. Um, even at a, even though they've come, to a reduced rate for the adult industry, it's still very expensive uh, to get a full test. Uh, you're looking at for a female, the test ver- prices vary for a female to a male because of we have swabs in the UK as well. So females get oral swabs and rectal swabs and all that. And you, you're looking at nearly 300, 350 for... Uh, Holy yeah. shit. So to have that done That's every really two really expensive. Weeks, it's nearly 700 pounds. It's for some... It's, Financially, it's not viable for some people. Um, and also, 
the disparities of um, scene rates uh, in the US. I mean, I don't know what the scene rates are now, but when I was in the USA working in 2005, you were getting paid uh, $900 for a, a boy girl scene. Um, and the test was, I think the test is about $155. 150 yeah. yeah. Whereas in the UK, a standard scene is, depending on what company you work for, brothers pay 500 and up, but a lot of companies pay 300 pounds for a boy girl that is less than your test of money <laughs> yeah yeah you're paying to do porn yeah. at that rate wow so, wow. Uh, so I- it's always been nhs testing but nhs is funded via local health authorities and they work with the porn adult industry but they've also um they're not funded they're not funded to test uh even civilians every uh 28 days, let alone 14 days. They're funded to test them every three months. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, so one one of the things that uh, affects porn performers here in the United States is lack of access to professionals in every kind of vanilla field. So if, if you need an attorney, if you need a doctor, if you need a psychologist, yeah. it's very hard to find one that's adult-friendly. Do you have similar things there or is nhs kind of cool with that um it with the nhs it depends on the clinics because they don't they all work differently even though they're part of the, the same nhs uh <coughs> because they're funded differently some are funded through local health authority some are funded through like in wales it's funded differently in scotland it's funded differently so dep- up and down the country is all funded differently so some clinics are uh, sex worker porn worker friendly some are a bit bit more you know not friendly uh you know they'll, they'll mm-hmm. test you and stuff but they're not very helpful with the tests and stuff or they ask like why you need it why um privately obviously privately if you're paying for it anything is possible you know they'll do whatever you want but on the nhs it yeah. um, can be a little bit hard depending on where you go but most most are fine most understand what you do for work uh a lot of people in the UK, in London, go to Dean Street and they are sex worker and adult worker friendly. They do the certificates for you um, and everything. Uh, health, um, mental health wise, there are a few, um, like my, uh, Mind, I think they have a few uh, uh, locations that are sex worker friendly. Um, but you have to find the right ones because they're not all, a lot of them don't understand and a lot of them will. I have heard from performers that obviously when you go there, some of these um, mental health places will just put your mental health down to the fact that you do sex work. Right, right. Yeah. That's that's why you have all your problems. Yeah, so they, like, they don't dig any. If you weren't doing sex work, you wouldn't have all these problems, and they're not really sitting down and listening to where your problems are stemming from because it's not necessarily sex work that's the problem. It could be something else, but they, you know everything is down to sex work, or even with the. Um, I've heard performers say about some clinics, you get, you know, you're going to get tested, and you know, if you're picking up STIs regularly, then it's like, well, if you weren't working, you will be picking them up <laughs> regularly, which is really silly, really, right. uh, because you could be in civilian, you know, you could be an everyday person and pick up STIs, but it's just the everyday person isn't getting tested as regularly as a performer is. Right. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. So noob question here, because, you know, I don't know that much about the UK. Yeah. Like here in the States, the shooting of porn is only technically legal in just a few places in the US and most places it's not, even though it's shot everywhere. Um, what about the UK? Is it technically legal all across the UK or are there certain pockets where you can shoot porn? How does that work? In the UK, you can shoot porn anywhere. Okay. <laughs> well, not okay. you know. If you um, obviously indoors, you could probably shoot. You don't run on the bus and during morning yeah. rush hour. You, can't or, you know, in um, a McDonald's in the US, you need a license, don't you? Like uh, locations need right. a license to shoot porn. Mm-hmm. Um, in the UK, there's nothing like that. So you can, if you'd hide a location out, whatever, you could shoot um, anywhere. But obviously, some locations maybe might not want you shooting porn there or they don't know <laughs> in, in right. airbnbs in the u in the uk uh, sex workers are finding um that airbnbs not necessarily airbnbs are really clamping down on sex workers like yeah. they're not they will close your account down if they find out that you're a sex worker 
Yeah, there was just a, an article that I read in the in the trade publication saying that Airbnb was using like uh, some kind of surveillance technology to figure out who's a sex yeah. worker. And if they deem you a sex worker, like you're, you're done, you're kicked off the platform. And I've had so many friends over the years who were like, yeah, I went to go rent an Airbnb and they shut down my account. Don't know why. And well, that explains it right there. Yeah, And the same with hotels. There's a lot, you know, the sex workers try to find sex worker friendly hotels, but um, I think even some of the hotels are, are catching on and they, yeah, they're, clamping down on sex work it's getting very difficult i mean for people like i said they shoot they'll hire hotels or they'll hire expensive hotels and you know i think you, as long as you're discreet you, it's all right as long as you're not right wondering that you know shooting you know fake taxi i think they got caught a few times uh digging oh. car parks and stuff but you know they're cctv up <laughs> you've got to be careful right <laughs> right yeah. exactly so I have a one quick uh, last question that you're not an expert on in any way, shape, or form. I just want your personal yeah. opinion on this because I, so I have two secret shames. One of them is I love disco music. The second is that I have uh, I don't know why, but I love shows about the British Royals, and I'm very fascinated with the British like Royals. Disco what do you th- like? Um, Saturday Night Fever. Do, do I like Saturday what? Night Say Fever again. With John Oh yeah. yeah, yeah! It's one of my favorites of all time, of course. Did you do the whole? I sit there. That's when I do when I do karaoke. I actually sing stuff from that soundtrack. Do you, like, do you dance to it? Do you do the whole Saturday Night Fever? I do. <laughs> I totally, I totally do. I totally do. And I, that was not what I was expecting you to respond. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I totally do. I love Saturday Night Fever. I love uh, the Bee Gees. Yeah. Uh, you know, like you look at me and I'm like full of tattoos and, uh, you know, I was a, you know, into punk rock and psychobilly and stuff and was a roadie for years and a big tough guy, but I love disco. <laughs> um, but the, the British Royals, what do you think about what's going on with Harry and Meghan? Oh, the British Royals. God, Harry and Meghan. I think it's about time they stood on their own two feet. <laughs> the, um, yeah. You know, um, I, I think it's good that they want to sort of uh, break away and do their own things. But I think it's going to be very difficult because they do, I mean, he gets paid, he gets paid by, uh, they've, they've got their own things, but also Prince Charles gives them, an, uh, he gets an announced from Prince Charles, which is from the Duchy of Cornwall. Now, that's a public purse. So I think they would have to keep some public duties because otherwise they'd have to give up all their income coming in because, it, it, you know, you don't want to, the public don't want to be paying for someone who actually isn't doing any public work. Right. Hell yeah. Like there's no reason for that to happen. Like he should like, and I, I actually admire the fact that uh, the both of them have the chops to go out on the, or at least they're saying yeah. that they want to go out on their own. Um, and I don't know, like, I think, doesn't he have some sort of an inheritance from his mother? Yeah. That's separate he's got from the allowance from that he his gets? mom and stuff. So, but you know, their lifestyles are a lot more expensive than ours. <laughs> Right. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, like, you know, thirty million for you or I, like, that would set us up for life. Also, from what I and you know, the whole talk has been about who would be fund if they did decide to go off on their own to do their own thing. Who is going to be responsible for funding their security? Yeah, Yeah. that's publicly funded. You know, um, Scotland Yard, whatever. So if they move to Canada, who's then going to fund? their security costs, because uh, obviously they'll still need security because he's still, right. I don't know whether he's, I don't know what how, what he is in now. You know, you've got uh, William and you've got Kate, well, and then you've got the three kids and then you've got him. So, what, the fifth in line to the throne? Um, he's probably yeah. never going to make it to the throne. Uh, <laughs> no, very li- I don't know if he wants to, to be honest. No, like, I think he just wants to be a regular guy. That is, and he's probably happy just doing what... Or, um, What's his name? Prince Andrew was <laughs> Prince Andrew was doing, you know. Oh fuck, Prince Andrew! Prince Jesus. Andrew, yeah. But here's the thing: <laughs> I think, like anything, uh, the whole Prince Andrew thing came about, and that's all not been hushed up. But suddenly, this whole Meghan Markle and uh, Harry things come about, and it's like, well, you get stories come out to sort of um, suppress other stories. So people right. are talking about something else now, but. As people, and I think this is always the case. Stories come out, and people don't realise that behind behind the scenes or the, whatever the government, the part, whatever, they bring other things are coming in. They're bringing other stuff in, other laws in, other this and that. But you miss it all because people are so engrossed in this one story that they've put out. 
Yeah. So things get brought into yep. things get brought in, put into place, and before you know it, you'd be like, "Oh, when did that happen?" Well, you were too engrossed in what was happening on the whole royal family that you actually didn't see what was being brought in by the back door. Yeah. Yep. I mean, same thing with Trump and Iran right now. Smoking like mirrors. You know, like, yeah. Don't don't yeah. worry about the impeachment. We're we're with Iran, really. Iran, Iran, Iran. Yeah. <laughs> you know, more people, people worrying about the impeachment, weren't they? And then what? Yeah. Yeah. And now we forgot all about that. Yeah, that's all good. <laughs> oh, God. Well, Sahara, thank you so much for being on the show today. We really appreciate your time. And uh, is there any way where we can find out a little bit more about you? Like, do you have a website? Where will we go to find you on the internet? Social media. Social media. Uh, you can find out more about me on Twitter, which is just my Twitter handle, Sahara Knight. Uh, my website is saharanight.expose, which is S A H A R A. K-N-I-T-E dot exposed, E-X-P-O-S-E-D. Those are my two main cool. things. And then I've got um, I've got Instagram, but it's no point saying the Instagram because um, Instagram, uh, is my seventh account on Instagram. So I'm think, keeping fingers crossed that it stays up there now for a while. I'm going to keep yeah. it as clean as possible. But they just delete them, don't they? It's just so... Yeah. Yeah. Instagram's a bitch. It is a bitch. And is there any... <laughs> Do you do uh, autographed pictures? Because I would re- like, I hate to do this to a guest and I've never done one before, but I'm really a big fan and I would love to have one. Is there any way for us to, yes, to be buy one for a... you? Oh, that would be brilliant. Thank you. I'm such a dick for <laughs> asking on here. Trick you. Well, this has been awesome. Thank you so much. And for those American fuckers listening along, as we said, all of Sahara's links and things that we talked about, there will be those links in our show notes at americansexpodcast.com. Just go look for this episode and you'll get everything you need. And look for her on seasons one and two of Game of Thrones. And she's not really from Flea Bottom. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's absolutely not true. I'm not a Game of Thrones person, so I'm just laughing along. You have no, I have idea, no, idea, you have no idea what, what I'm talking, you're talking you don't. about. I know so you don't. I have I to do. watch Game of Thrones. I know, I know. All, All right. right. Well, thank you so much, Sahara. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to American Sex. To keep up with Ken and I, we'll first make sure you watch our TV show, Sex with Sunny Megatron, on Showtime. Then visit SunnyMegatron.com. There you can learn more about us, read our blog, peruse our workshop calendar, or hire us. For what? Well, either for private coaching, or to book us to teach at your event or university, or as sex and relationship writers for your publication. Oh, and don't forget, we're on social media, too. I'm the super social one, so you can find me as Sunny Megatron on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, my YouTube channel, and a bunch of other places. But if you want to get me on Snapchat, you got to look for Sunny underscore Megatron, and you can follow Ken on Twitter at at tag PsyChicken. That's P-S-Y-C-H-I-C-K-E-N. Also, please support us by shopping with the affiliates and sponsors from our breaks. And if you contribute to our Patreon, we're going to love you forever. Well, we're going to love you forever anyway, but just go with it. Lastly, if you like this broadcast, tell people about it. Tweet it, Facebook status it, and rate it on iTunes and other platforms. Thanks, friends. We'll see you next week on American Sex.